From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. So today's guest is someone who you may or may not have heard of, but I guarantee you've heard of his boss, Janet Yellen, and you've definitely heard of his boss's boss, Joe Biden. Today we'll be hearing from Wally Adeyema, the number two official at the Treasury Department. Bloomberg tax reporter Naomi Jagoda rang him up and asked him about the Treasury Department's progress on implementing all the clean energy provisions of last year's Inflation Reduction Act. Wally started off by giving us a status update on where his department is at and where we'll be going in the coming months. One of our key focuses has been getting out the rules and regulations related to the the energy provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act. But in addition to getting the rules done, we've also been very focused on getting feedback from key stakeholders like tax professionals. Um, So that over the course of the last several months, we've put out 20 requests for comments and pieces of guidance on many of the provisions, including requests for comments and guidance on what we would call the core provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act we're providing to tax professionals, but also to the American people and businesses certainty with regard to how these tax credits will work and how they can um, use the tax credits to reduce the cost of buying things like electric vehicles or to create incentives for businesses to build manufacturing plants, not just in the United States, but also in communities that have been um, impacted by the energy transition, for example, going forward. So I know that there's been some guidance out, for example, there's been some guidance released around electric vehicles. What additional guidance items are expected in the next few weeks or the next few months? So our goal, Naomi, is to try and focus in on the provisions that are cross-cutting in order to make sure that we're providing as much certainty as possible and creating the type of incentives that will lead to both addressing the climate challenge that we all face globally, but also that will lead to creating the, the clean energy jobs that the president has been very focused on with regard to the Inflation Reduction Act. So um, in the coming um, weeks and months, we're going to put out guidance on domestic co- content bonuses that speaks to the idea of giving an additional bonus to companies that are using content from the United States. And then direct pay and transferability, which will speak to the idea of making sure that companies will be able to get access to financing that will help them carry out this work going forward. And then also prevailing wage and apprenticeship standards, which will speak to the idea that we want to make sure that these clean energy jobs are well-paying jobs going forward. The issuance of um, these pieces of guidance will, in lots of ways, symbolize the end of the first phase of implementation for us in terms of clean energy provisions. There's clearly more work that we'll need to do, but with the guidance that's already been done and these three um, pieces of guidance I just mentioned, we believe that the private sector as well as nonprofits will have um, the guidance they need to go out and make investments that will help us meet our energy security and climate goals while creating the economic Um, the positive economic growth and jobs that will matter for growing our economy into the future. You said that that would be the end of the first phase. When do you expect to complete that first phase? And then what is the next phase after that look like? So as you know, there are um, several other guidance projects that we're going to need to work on. 
um, in order to um, complete our work on the energy provisions of the Inflation Reduction Act. Our hope is that um, this spring we'll complete um, the rules, the first phase, which will include the guidance that I just mentioned, as well as some of the other guidance projects that we've already put out um, in terms of notice to propose rulemaking. And then as we complete that, we're going to move on to other important rules as well, everything from thinking about um, the green hydrogen rules and other rules that will be critical to meeting the president's climate commitments, as well as creating green jobs in the future. Part of this is that we're working to try and get these rules done as quickly as possible, but sequencing them in such a way that we give um, companies and individuals certainty as soon as possible about the overarching rules that will form the architecture of the green energy tax credit space. You mentioned the prevailing wage and apprenticeship requirements. How does Treasury and the IRS plan to enforce these requirements? Um, you know, what are you going to look for in terms of documentation from you know entities that are trying to comply in good faith with these requirements? One of the best parts about the rulemaking um, here for prevailing wage and apprenticeship, but all the rules overall, is that we've had an opportunity to work very closely with agencies throughout the government um, that have expertise in these areas. And when it comes to prevailing wage and apprenticeship standards, we're working very closely with the Department of Labor in terms of how to build uh, architecture that will um, promote transparency and information sharing with regard to the way that the rule works and will create the right kind of incentives for businesses to go out and make sure that they're paying in a uh, prevailing wage going forward. What's, what we're doing now is we're working through what the notice of proposed rulemaking will look like. And what I can tell you, I can't give you details at the moment in terms of um, what the enforcement regime will look like, but we're hoping that the decisions that we make in terms of how best to implement the rule will be um, will solicit feedback from um, both industry, but also stakeholders um, in order to make sure that we have the ability to create a set of rules that promote um, the kind of well-paying jobs that are critical to the energy transition, while also creating incentives for businesses to make the investments that are necessary to address climate change going forward. There have been concerns from some members of Congress around trade agreements, around the critical mineral requirements for electric vehicles. What do you make of um, the concerns maybe from some lawmakers who are saying it's important for Congress to be involved in that process? So I think we agree that it's critical that Congress be engaged in the process going forward in terms of how we think about um, building up a critical minerals ecosystem and supply chain. And that fundamentally, this is in keeping with the Inflation Reduction Act, which calls on us to work on building resilient supply chains that um, are diverse. Today, as you know well, the the clean energy mineral supply chain is dominated by one country, China, and it's and China's dominance there creates resilience risk to the rest of um, the world in terms of critical minerals and the ability to build a renewable energy supply chain. The investments made by Congress through the Inflation Reduction Act in clean energy is going to turn America into a, a core leader in terms of renewable energy and will mean that we're going to create a pool that will create 
an alternative supply chain. In order for that to work, we're going to need to work closely with our allies and partners as envisioned by the IRA um, in order to make sure that we have resilience. Uh, we want to work directly with Congress on how best to do that. And we think that a critical piece of that is making sure that we um, reach agreements with these countries in term, in, with countries that are allies and partners that share our values, that care deeply about the energy transition in order to make sure that we're pulling them into our ecosystem and building a supply chain that's resilient and will help promote America's energy security needs. And some of Republicans' criticisms around the energy provisions and the Inflation Reduction Act uh, have to do with the fact that there are estimates that the provisions might cost more than expected. They might benefit, you know, wealthy companies or financial institutions, companies with ties to China. I'm curious what you make of some of these criticisms. I'd say a few things. One is that ultimately... um, the Inflation Reduction Act is has been extremely popular with businesses because it's creating real incentives to build things in the United States, which is exactly what we want. We want to create more manufacturing jobs here in the United States. We want the United States to be a leader in the clean energy transition. We want to be in a place where we have a supply chain that isn't overly dependent on that isn't dependent on China. Those are all things that we're accomplishing already with the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, My view is that right now it's impossible to estimate the cost because one of the things that we haven't factored in is the fact that other countries, our allies and partners included, are now going to respond to the Inflation Reduction Act because they're seeing that these incentives that Congress has created is causing businesses in their country to consider building things here in the United States rather than building them in their country. You've already seen countries like Canada take steps to put in place manufacturing incentives that look a lot like the manufacturing incentives we have here in the United States. To me, that is a positive response to what Congress has done, because what we ultimately know is that in order for us to um, deal with the existential threat that is climate change, countries around the world need to make larger investments in helping to get companies to build up the manufacturing capacity to build new battery technology to make sure that we're scaling renewable energy in our country. So ultimately, we're going to see those types of investments happening in places like Canada, in Europe, that will be additive to what we're doing with the Inflation Reduction Act and will help us build a more robust clean energy supply chain. And that the only reason that the cost for the IRA goes up is if more companies decide they're going to put more investments in the United States, creating more jobs for the American people, which ultimately is our goal here, which is to both reduce the costs and increase the incentives to create jobs in the United States to benefit the American people while providing for our energy security and um, dealing with the existential threat of climate change. That was Wally Adeyema, Deputy Secretary of the U.S. Treasury Department, speaking with Naomi Jagoda. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Meg Shreve is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. Hello, podcast listeners. If you don't already know On the Merits, our weekly podcast devoted to legal and government news, it's a show that features the very best of Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government, newsrooms that boast among the largest number of credentialed journalists in D.C. 
When you listen to On the Merits, you'll hear about the groundbreaking developments in the courts, in Congress, and in the alphabet soup of federal agencies that run Washington and our nation. Our show is by and about legal and government policy nerds, and we say that lovingly. It's a nerd's eye view of what professionals in the legal and government space need to know. But you do not have to be a nerd to listen. Check out our show, On the Merits, and find new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find our archive of shows at news.bloomberglaw.com slash podcasts. <laughs>